You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey guys, Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Also joining us is John Sweelan of HuskerHype.com. Welcome, John. How's it going? Hey, guys. Great to be here. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I got some Shanahan's whiskey on deck. Nice. Ooh, Shanahan's. I just was at that uh, brewery or distillery. Out in Colorado, so. right? Yes, it is. So, yeah, I just was Don't there a couple Don't drink it with ago. Coke, kids. It's a disgrace. It's a lot of mixing whiskey. Oh, well, all right. Derek, what are you drinking then? Woodford Reserve. Nice. Ooh, good. good stuff. That's probably what Tyler's go-to is right now. No, I, I got some Breckenridge uh, bourbon on hand tonight, but in uh, my PBR, so I'm trying to wash down the sh- sorrows of that Michigan game. <laughs> well, good luck. Hey, let's talk about uh, Michigan. Uh, we'll just do like a, an overall thoughts, you know, on it. Uh, we'll only talk about the positive parts, not the negative. So moving on to the next topic. <laughs> no, no, seriously. But uh, John, give us your overall thoughts on this Michigan game here. <clears throat> well, some people will disagree with me on this, but I think this is a case of a JV team versus a varsity team. And when I say that, I don't mean you know a good team versus a bad team. I mean this is year technically year four of Harbaugh. He was hired in December 2014. So you, this is really the true Michigan under Harbaugh. This is what his team should look like from here on out, um, the, the level of play, um, the speed at which the defense plays, et cetera, is what you should expect versus Nebraska, where this is really, you know, uh, a thrown together season for Frost. He doesn't have his players in place, et cetera. And I, I think that's what you see is, is a really young team in Frost and a really mature team in Harbaugh. So I can't say I like the outcome. I thought it should have been better. Um, obviously, they had that touchdown early on that was actually an interception. Um, so there'll be some things to, to fix all the lines, but, um, disappointing loss. Uh, but we got Purdue this week. So that's what I want to talk about. Derek, you're pretty passionate last week on these Nebraska Cornhuskers here. So what are your thoughts on this game? You know, you know, I try to stay, I try to stay so hard to stay positive because this is the coach that I want. I like this coaching staff. I, th- I think it's good. And I, I, but right now it's hard to say anything too good about this team after that game. It, it, it was mistake after mistake after mistake. And, and Michigan was the better team, and there's no denying that. Like, Michigan was just simply a better team. But when you have mistakes like the Tyjon Lindsay punt return that he should have never touched the ball on and ended up muffing the punt, uh, you have the interception early on, and I I just don't know what to take out of that. I mean, it was, it was deflected by a defensive lineman. That happens to every quarterback. But – Again, you got a freshman quarterback who made a mistake. Probably should have thrown a little higher. Uh, God, God, there's just not a lot of positives to take out of this game, and it sucks. So last week with Tyjon Lindsay, I uh, when Nick uh, Gregoth was on, I asked you guys, "Is Tyjon Lindsay is he the answer at punt returner?" And you guys were kind of, "Oh, let's wait and see." How about now? What, what do you think? I've seen he needs Tyler's- to go. <laughs> Tyler, I, I I don't. That was a bonehead play. I, I guess my thing is to pick anything 
like one player out that said they played exceptionally bad in that game is just unfair to any of those players. It was a complete lack of any execution by any of the Huskers last Saturday. So I'm not going to butcher him. But yeah, I mean, the leash, in my opinion, has got to be getting smaller. But you take away that muff punt. It wasn't like we made him punt a lot of other times so he could see what he could do. I mean, it, it wasn't he didn't get five opportunities. So um, I, I, I would give him one more week to see what he could do against Purdue. Derek? The only reason I will disagree with you is because this is three weeks in a row he has been terrible at returning punts. Like he has like three punt returns for like three yards right now, so he's averaging like one yard per punt return. I mean, it's it pretty bad. Much? Yeah, it's it's bad. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's bad no matter what. I and again, I I I said this last week. I, I hold a lot of that up to the coverage on the punt team more than him. But yeah, I mean, at some point in time, I mean, I just don't. I don't see a hole for him. I that's like saying. Oh, Adrian Martinez didn't look good in the pocket last week. Well, of course not. He didn't get one block. I mean, what do you want Lindsey to do when he doesn't have one hole to run down? So you can beat him up on that muff punt. But I mean, until we start blocking someone, like I can't blame anyone for on special uh, teams right now. John, let's we'll keep it with special teams here. Give us your thoughts on this. So I'm going to give you guys two words. They're going to go back about 14 years, and I want you to, to let me know if these ring true when you think of Tyjon Lindsay back there. So I'm going to say Santino Panico. No, he I was at least that, shorthanded. <laughs> well, so here's, here's the rub. I think Tyjon has done a really good job with what he's had to work with. Um, you know, looking back over the last couple of games, there's instances where, you know, Colorado – was coming at him with five or six players, and he stood there with guys all around him, and he caught the ball because he didn't – I mean, he didn't have anywhere to go. I think this is kind of a culmination of frustrations for Lindsay with a muff punt. Um, I think he just – he really wanted to take it off that first hop or, or really should have caught in the air because there was finally some blocking there. Um, and after it bounced that second time, he just tried to force it, and that was the mistake, not, not the, the rest of what he's done. Uh, but that being said, I, you know, I think – Someone like J.D. Spielman, who is uh, a pretty prolific returner in his own right, you know, has a couple kick returns for touchdowns. I think that's the guy you should put back there. Um, I just think you want to put your best foot forward, and that's nothing against Tyjon Lindsay. It's just that J.D. Spielman is a little bit better of an electric returner uh, in terms of having that top gear of speed, which I think Tyjon kind of misses out on. Tyjon is more the, the the shifty, you know, side to side, make a guy miss with a cut. Um, whereas Spielman has more of that, that straight line speed. So if it was me and I, I coach this team, Spielman would be the guy back there as long as he demonstrates some practice that he can catch it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at, at some point, you just have to try something different. Maybe somebody else can provide that spark, but you don't know unless you try. So I think you need to do that. I, I'm just going to say, have you talked about changing who's blocking on coverage? Like, it's easy to pick on the guy who's doing it, but like, yeah, maybe those are the guys you might want to change out first. Well, <clears throat> that's true. Uh, I definitely John. think that's a problem. I mean, that's, I think that's something that they have to address. Um, you know, you can claim deficiencies in your roster. You can claim deficiencies in buying in all you want. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, special team squads are 11 guys. With scholarships alone, you've got 80, 85 guys on the roster. You're telling me they can't, you can't find 10 guys to go out there and block those guys a little bit um, for longer than what's happening today. And I think that's a bunch of horse crap. So. Um, this is for me, this is something that's fixable. It needs to be fixed right away. Um, 
And if they can't fix it, they need to change it out with guys who can. So, John, what's our, John, what is our biggest issue right now as a team? Oh, man. Um, I would say the offensive line. Um, and to get into that a little bit, um, I don't know if, we're, if this is where we're going, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. If you look at the Huskers roster, they didn't sign any eligible offensive lineman last recruiting class. They signed a kid named Willie Canty. He went to the Juco route. So they have no offensive lineman coming in this class, which is worrisome. But if you look back over the last five classes, um, they have about six guys that are eligible um, to play offensive line that are on scholarship. So that doesn't include, um, you know, guys like Cole Conrad, et cetera. Um, but if you look at it over the last five seasons, um, I think they've signed 16 eligible players um, and they've had an attrition of four. So that leaves 12 guys left for this year. You take out, you know, the kids from last year, Will Farniak. Sorry, I've left him out. He did sign last year. You take out Will Farniak from the 18 class. You take out Brendan uh, James, Matt Sichterman, and Brock Bando from 2017. And you're left with six guys that are eligible to play offensive line on scholarship. You've got John Raritan, Matt Farniak, Bo Wilson, Christian Gaylord, who we haven't heard from ever, Tanner Farmer, and Gerald Foster. Um, guys that are missing from there, um, you have Brian Brokup, no longer at the team. Jalen Barnett left for concussions. Michael Decker, same thing, left for concussions. And Nick Gates, who left for the NFL. So this squad, and that's not just this year, but really over the last seven or eight years, you have not had proper offensive line recruiting and development. Because as soon as you lose a guy like Michael Decker or Jalen Barnett, or you know they're leaning towards leaving, you should be filling those spots. And it's easier to say, you know, as I sit here, uh, you know, giving this interview to do that. But this is a position where you should have 18 to 20 scholarship guys at any time. Um, even with, you know, counting the, the freshmen and redshirt freshmen, you know, like Brenda James and Matt Farniak who are playing, who's a, who's a, a sophomore. I just think that this line has no depth and it has no development. And that's tough to fix in one spring and summer. So me, my biggest weak spot is definitely the offensive line. Uh, my most underwhelming position would be tight end because I think those guys have been here long enough that, you know, geez, tight ends don't do much but block and catch, and they should be much better at it than they are. So, Tyler, thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, last week, I, you know, me and Justin were pretty rough on the offensive line, and Derek, you know, he he blamed Bunchy for that game. Uh, but, <laughs> but no, I, I I agree, John. I think our offensive line is is definitely the weakness of this team. What I will say is, as I, I definitely, you're right, and that those facts you gave about scholarship players, I think, is a contributing factor. But I, I look at this more as a macro level, and this goes to more than outside um, offensive line. But you're looking at what a lot of these kids have done. I mean, this is now their really their fourth different offensive scheme that some of these kids have been recruited to play. Um, you know, you look at strength and conditioning, and you can butcher the squats last year or not, but there was a purpose. I mean, these kids have not been given an opportunity to develop in their own skin because it keeps changing. Like, I don't know how you would ever monitor progress from one offseason to the next because it keeps changing on them, and they have nowhere to go. And I think now you're just looking at these kids, and, you know, is, is it a question of – will or is it a question of skill i i think 
because of development, because of the talent, which you alluded to. I just don't know if these kids can execute what Frost wants to deliver. And I, I, I hope it gets better. I hope coaching keeps getting them better throughout the season. But I, that's a real concern right now. Derek, get in here on this uh, biggest issue conversation. Uh, well, first first off, I didn't blame only Bunch. I, I admitted that the offensive line was not good. I, the only <laughs> thing I said was Adrian Martinez made the offensive line look better than what they were. Derek defending himself on last week is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this week, there were, there was just nothing to stand by. I mean, there's there was no good part of this team right now last week. Uh Maybe Michigan's a lot better than I gave him any kind of credit for. I don't know, uh, but the offensive line is terrible, and I and I'm not. I didn't deny that last week. I just thought that Adrian Martinez would make him look better than what Bunch did. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you guys said it best. I mean, right now the offensive line looks weak. They look underdeveloped. They, I mean, they're they're they've grown in size, but. Like and like John says, like it takes more than a spring and a and a summer to, to to develop these guys, and it's just going to take some patience. And you hope it gets better throughout the season, but right now it's hard to see it getting better. I think you know. I think something else that goes along with this is is I talked about the maturity of the the Michigan team versus the maturity of the the Nebraska team, and it's not so much again a mental maturement. Just hey, you know, you've been here for four years, et cetera, under the same coach. If you look at a guy like Rashawn Gary, who, you know, gave Hymas a hard time all day um, at the left tackle position, there's no one on Nebraska's roster that can simulate what Rashawn Gary did. It's just like Nick Gates, who was a great offensive tackle. But when we had the bowl game against Tennessee, Derek Barnett pushed him around. I mean, he showed why he's, you know, a top round draft pick and why Gates really would have should have stayed for another season of development. So. I think that's part of the maturity is, you know, and, and Frost and the coaches talk about the intensity and how practices go every day um, with the media. And I think that's part of it. You don't have a team that they can even go against that shows them the intensity that these guys are, are playing against them at. So, you know, a lot of it's development. Like you just need time to develop, to develop guys. Um, but I think that that intensity and that mentality that a seasoned veteran team has just isn't there. And they're not going to get there uh, until they start to, you know, either turn it on themselves um, or they grow into it because that just takes time. So let's talk about buy-in right now. John, you wrote an excellent article about buy-in uh, this week on Husker Hype. Uh, Scott Frost, he's been hammering on like this buy-in from the players for the last couple of weeks. Seems like today that word has changed a little bit to now to loving football, guys who love football instead of the buy-in. Uh Talk about about this buy-in versus loving football. You know, this is really tough for me because I understand what the coaches are saying when they say buy-in, but I think that word is wrong. And I, I didn't really like what Coach Shenander said today about loving football. You know, God, what, did you see the game last night? No, I didn't. And that doesn't mean that you don't like football or, or you're not good at football. Um, I really think the word they're looking for is dedication. They're not getting the dedication and the accountability that they demanded. Um, you know, you look back to the Pelini era and you would have staffers, you know, going to class and, and doing a roll call to make sure guys were there. And then under Mike Riley, he treated guys like they were grownups. Hey, you're young men. You're 18 to 22 to even 23 years old. Damian Jackson, shout out. I know you're older than that. Um, but the point is, is, you know, 
you're, you're shifting mentalities here. So you've gone from ultra accountable under Pelini to little accountability under Riley back to holding guys accountable again under Frost. And I think that's just a little bit like if I, if that was me, I'd be like, Oh my God, like just make up your mind, you know? So again, I don't think it's buy-in. I think it's dedication. Are you dedicated to what you do? Do you wake up? Do you, you know, give it your all in the weight room? Do you give it your all in practice? Do you give it your all in your coursework and then go to sleep? It's kind of like what Tanner Farmer talked about um, the other day. So um, it's, I I don't think it's buy-in. I think buy-in again, is something they have, they get it. The coaching staff has proven what they've proven, but these guys need to dedicate themselves, not to the game of football, but to doing what this staff is asking of them, because I hear things here and there and, and some stuff, you know, I can't put a quote around, but it's my understanding that it, it's not a buy-in problem. It's not a loving football problem. It's just a dedication to doing what you're doing at the best degree possible. Well, I just want to add to that loving football. It seems like that's the big buzzword amongst, amongst this coaching staff. You heard, uh, Shenander say a lot about it today and then it filtered down like Travis Fisher Travis Fisher was he was echoing guys loving football and uh you know even Barrett Rude he was talking about guys loving football I thought it was interesting today Travis Fisher uh he he was uh saying that when he came in he only thought that maybe 80 percent of those guys actually loved football when he came in did you guys hear that comment today well, yeah, and I did like that comment because at the end of it, he's like, now I think everyone loves football. Yeah. And, so and yeah. It's, it's amazing how that happened. Uh, you know, 80% didn't like the football, um, and now everyone loves it. it I, you know, John, all this buy-in and all this stuff, it, it, I take it a little bit differently, John. I think this buy-in is not even necessarily a mentality, and I do probably agree there's some of that classroom stuff and things that you see. It's the little things like, are you going to do the right footwork every time on offensive line? Are you convincing and not going back to different habits that maybe other coaches have taught you? Are you completely in? I think there's a muscle memory. I, I find it hard to believe with all this accountability that the coaching staff has. If there are kids that are fundamentally failing, going to weight room and giving it their all, that these kids, sh- if, if they're seeing the field, and they're not doing the thing the coaches are asking, then the coaching staff is missing the. They, they are not holding accountable what they have been preaching. But I think, I think conversely to that is, if I pull that guy, do I have a better option behind him? Like, we talked about offensive line depth. Like, hey, if I pulled, you know, Matt Farniak off of the right tackle position, who steps up? Is, is, is the drop-off in talent behind those starters good enough to warrant pulling them. And I know like, you know, the, there's the, Oh, you know, the, you know, the guy who wants to be here should be the guy we play. But at a certain point you have to put the guy on the field that gives you the best chance to win. And that may be the guy who just doesn't want to be there. And I think that's, I think that's part of what I talked about. It, it's not the word buy-in it, it's dedication to what you want. Like, do you want to show up and play football today? Like, do you want to be here? Cause if not, you know, get out, the, the boat's moving along. So but, I think, John, I think it's just a mix of everything that we've kind of talked about. But John, John, my, my counter argument to that is the coaching staff, like th- this year is not going to be a great year. Th- this is not a, you're dealing with a bad apple because you have a shot to do something special. This is, you, you're going to be lucky at this point to win five games. 
you're probably looking at a three-win season ahead of you, maybe worse. Like, I, I just, let's get the culture where you want it. This is the time to preach alter accountability, in my opinion, when you have nothing to lose. Absolutely. And, you know, if, if this staff wants to keep talking about buy-in or guys that loving football, then they need to make some changes in the lineup. You know, put those guys that actually love football or bought in. This is the time to do it. I mean, I don't know, unless Scott Frost wants to be a coach that takes an 0-12 team to a bull team the next year twice. I mean, it, it, it's time to, you know, stop talking about it if you're if you're not going to do anything about it, you know? Okay, the so offensive, offensively, take three guys out. Any three. It doesn't have to be that they're bought in or not. And tell me who you'd replace them with. Because I don't think Nebraska has a two deep where you could pull three guys off the offensive side of the football. Or maybe the defensive side because it's a bit deeper. But I don't think there's three guys you could pull off the football on each side and replace with someone who's, you know, giving their all, you know, or is completely bought in. And it would make a lick of difference. And I think, if anything, you'd probably burn a red shirt and maybe waste a guy's year. I, I, I guess, it, I know Derek's just eager to get in here, but like, I guess my counter-argument, and I'm going to throw out this guy because I'm fairly certain he is not one of them, but Stanley Morgan. Stanley Morgan is our arguably our best football player on our team. He seems to do all the things right, so I'll preference that. So he, I do not think he's one of these guys. But let's say he was, and you sit him for the first half. Or, hey, you take a few series out. I could think of some names of people to get some snaps. Are they going to be as good as Stanley Morgan? Hell no. But if if you have a cancer, you need to cut it out. You may lose a limb in getting rid of it, but you got to save the body and move forward. And if you have that, then you need to do that. I agree with you. I think the only trade-off is, is you're talking about being able to get to five wins. Or you you could be talking about the difference of you know two wins this season. So is is that is that overall effect on the team psyche by only winning two games a season? Is that worth you know cutting out that cancer? Go ahead, Derek. It's not, Sorry, it's not doing anything for us right now. But uh, go ahead, Derek. Chime well, in. All right, let's get back to the buy-in question here. I think there is an absolute buy-in problem here. Like, look. Let's just talk about the fifth-year seniors here. And I don't know how many there are on this team, whatever. But let's just talk about the five, year, the fifth-year seniors here. They've gone through three head coaches. They've gone through four defensive coordinators, three defense or three offensive coordinators. The defensive backs have gone through seven coaches right now. Uh, your uh, defensive line has gone through four coaches. Your linebackers have been through five coaches. In, in offense, everybody's seen three coaches. So yeah, there probably is a problem with with buying in with with some of these seniors. Like they've seen so many coaches, who do they know to believe? Every time, every time they try and get into a, a, a rhythm and a system, somebody else comes in and tells them how to do it different. So there probably you is take a bit your of a logic problem. And you just get out. You just take <laughs> the, your logic the, the probably, and get out right now. Especially cultural, culturally. You know, I mean, John, you mentioned earlier. Mike Riley let this team basically do whatever they wanted last year, and now you have Scott Frost coming in, being the sheriff, and having to police everybody and say this is the way we need to do it. And, and there's probably a lot of guys that instead of going home and going to bed or reading the playbook, they're going home playing Fortnite instead of doing what they're supposed to be doing. And maybe they're staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning playing Fortnite rather than getting ready for a game the next day. We don't know. There could be some major issues on this team, and it's, show, and it's showing up at this point. And I think there is a level of buy-in, but I think it's more in the 
and the and the cultural side of it rather than the football side of it. Like I think all these players are buying into the the, the, the coaches as far as wanting to win with them, and and the and the football side of it. I think it's I think it's the details out off the field that they're not buying into. Those are great points. I have no counter argument at all. I, I don't know how to debate that. Anybody? My only my only point to that would be is you know, and it's not Fortnite in particular like that game, <laughs> but guys need to be able to let stress out, however that is, decompress whatever you need to do to you know reset yourself every single day. For some people, you know, as you grow up, that's you know having a longer commute from your job so you can separate you know your work mentality from your home mentality. Uh, for guys like me, I like to go play softball a couple nights a week and just, you know, hit the crap out of a ball and forget about everything else for a while. So I, I think what we like, I think judging guys and what they do in the off hours, if it's not football related, I think that's a little irresponsible. I don't think the staff is doing that. I think that was kind of just off the cuff shenander speaking today, but you know, for crying out loud, I mean, everyone and their mom plays Fortnite. If, you know, if you're an athlete, you know, I, I think they interviewed guys on the MLB network the other day. And they said like, yeah, half the guys in the clubhouse during downtime, when I don't have anything to do, like just to let out some steam and just, you know, decompress, I play some Fortnite. So, um, you know, be that cooking, be that, you know, hanging out with your boys, seeing a movie, you know, whatever. Um, I think that personal time away from football is personal time, but what's really important. And I think this ties the whole point in Derek is, when you're at the stadium, when you're at the practice facilities, when you're on the practice field, when you're on the field, you're dedicated to what you're doing. 100%. You're giving your all. And I think, again, it's not buy-in. I think it's dedication. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And Tyler's right. Derek, you're right. Justin, you haven't talked at all. So, um, I He's probably wrong. The, I think at the end of the day, it's it's just a mixture of everything, and to point your finger at one thing for a reason why they're you know they're struggling is is going to be pretty tough to like say yep that's it. But that's just and, and and I I don't want to play this, but I'm going to do the oh I told you so card right now. I, I I'm not disagreeing. Mike Riley should have been fired. Obviously he did, but I told going from a pro style offense which you were building to for three years and switching it is hard it, it, it is a hard transition to make and we and again you, we talk about their what they need to do off the room you talk about the personality when mike riley took over for bo pelini that was about as a 180 of a change as i thought we i could ever see and somehow we did it again i mean these kids they don't have a culture they don't know what to do and it's not their fault it's like i think people are saying like to john's point well, they're not dedicated enough. Like, it, it is very hard to change. We've all got new bosses in our lives that do things differently. Some are better, some are worse, but it's just it's hard to change gears like that. Well, I guess the good news about that, Tyler, is these coaches, they're going to be around at least next year. Uh, they'll probably be <laughs> here longer because nobody's going to come poach these coaches after this year. So we get these coaches for a while. Derek, what do you want to add? All right, so so you, you talk about that, Tyler, and I just want to kind of add a little thing that I've seen on a lot of, a lot on social media about wanting to replace like Jovan Dewitt as a uh, uh, special teams coach. And again, you've had three guys coaching, actually, really four guys coaching special teams in the last three years because 
We had uh, Bruce Reed doing it in 2016. We were supposed to have Scott Booker doing it in 2017. He, and to no fault to anybody, he passed away sadly. And then, and then they, then they ended up taking it. Just uh, the whole team just took over it. And and now you got uh, Dewitt doing it. But let's not understand. Let's understand that Nebraska special teams has been a dumpster fire since Pelini's left. Uh, you, I mean, you look at our stats. Our stats have been terrible over the last three years. And and and, and with UCF, Dewitt ran the special teams down there. And with kick return, he has taken them from seventy uh, fourth to sixth in or in punt returns from seventy fourth to sixth, and is from first season to second season. And kick returns, he's taken them from sixty second to tenth in the nation. And uh, so, so in year two, he's going to improve the he's going to improve these special teams. Just give the guy a break and let him and let him get something going before we start talking about replacing him after three games. I, I, yeah, I, I think I, the tie, I think the conversation of replacing any coach at this point needs to stop. Like, just stop. These guys have played three games, and it irritates me to see people wanting to talk about replacing coaches. And after three games, Scott Booker died. No, it was a secondary coach who came Bob out. Elliott or Bob, Bob Elliott. Elliott. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I mixed up my coaches. So. Got it. I started to get sad. I was so, like, hey, I think I, I think apologize. there's two there's two things I want to touch on and, and I'll I'll touch on Derek's first and Tyler's second because we can kind of segue the second conversation. So I think you're right, Derek. I think judging uh Jovan DeWitt at this point is way too early. I think you you have to give the guys an opportunity to go out and do things. I think three games is a fair assessment of that. And we did see a little bit of, you know, turnover at, at on special teams this week against Michigan with a few different guys trying out there. So I think he, he tried some small changes. I think this week is the week you'll start to see big changes like the returner and the guys blocking up front. Um, also to your credit, there's been a lot of coaches. Tyler talked on it a little bit here too, with the, the scheme changes. They're coaching a different caliber of recruit today than they were one year ago. Um, you take a look at guys like Michael Lynn in Colorado and, and Matthew Anderson and you, and you say, Oh man, they're just not ranked as high as these other guys. But what's different is we're, we're, it's easier to take an offensive tackle and make him an offensive guard or center. It's hard to take guys who are offensive centers or guards and move them to tackle. And this offense demands a lot more footwork and athleticism out of its offensive linemen. So I think you're just going to see that slow change and bodies being more athletic on the offensive line specifically because when the offensive line is given Adrian Martinez time, We've had good production out of our offense. What, 565 yards against Colorado? And, you know, I forget what it was against Troy, but it was still, it was more than the other team. It was, it was to a point where we put ourselves in a position to win as a football team, but other dumb mistakes cost us those wins. So I think you'll continue to see those recruits come in that, that, that complement this offense that you might say, oh, they're a little under recruited or they're a little underrated, et cetera. But that's because this offense demands a different type of player. You're not going to take a guy who's 6'6", 330 pounds and throw him at offensive tackle in Nebraska because he's not being able to hold his, hold his edge and pull or, or do what's asked of him. So I think we're seeing that. You're seeing that with wide receivers as well, guys like Jamie Nance who are committed. You're seeing a lot of those duck R hybrids that are you know wide receivers slash running backs that we truly don't have on the roster right now outside of really Maurice Washington. Um, 
and defensive line wise, I mean, when Stoltenberg went down, we saw a lot of Carlos Davis this week. And guys, I love Khalil and Carlos. I think they're okay defensive ends in a three-four system. But let's be honest with ourselves. They are not nose guard material. They're just not the body type. They're just not the right guys to be there. And Damian Daniels is, is kind of the first guy that, that we've had in four years that fits a nose guard position. And by golly, he's a redshirt freshman, and he's making a little bit of a contribution now. So I just think the right guys, be it under Riley or, or now even under Frost, we're just starting to see those guys emerge. We're just getting to the good stuff here. And I think I hate to throw this season away and say, look, the next year. But hopefully this team, when we look at it in six games, is mark- remarkably different than where it was to start the season from, it, from an execution standpoint. And I think if you're going to measure this coaching staff, you don't look at these first three games and say, oh, it's been bad. You say, hey, you know what? Here's the first three games. Here's the second set of three games. Here's the next set and then the final set of two to three games. And you measure your success on that. And I think any team that gets better as the season goes on, especially like basketball, it's way more apparent. But in football, that's what we should be looking for right now out of this team. Well, I want to go back to Carlos Davis. We'll see about that nose guard position because he's going to get plenty of opportunity here against Purdue, it sounds like. So that'll be interesting to watch. You know, I mean, the Davis Twins, they are beasts. So let's see what happens there. Uh, I want to talk about the interest level in Husker Nation. You know, we're, we're at 0-3 right now. This season is not going the way that we ever thought it would. It's just, it's, I mean, can, can you say dumpster fire? Yeah, I, I think so at this point. Uh, I want to ask about your interest level. Uh, Tyler, would you schedule your Saturdays? Would you continue to schedule your Saturdays around Husker football? Right now, I would. I mean, I, I'm heading up to Nebraska this weekend to watch uh, the Huskers play in person. Um, right now, I am. But I will be honest, like, there is a little doubt in my head about is that something I'll continue to do. Again, these guys got to start playing, and I trust this staff. It just, that was a hard game to watch, and Troy wasn't much easier. So I, I am looking forward to it turning a corner here shortly. Derek, what about your interest level? If I would have stopped watching the season, it would have been last season. So it's not going to change. Yes, I'm still going to watch. <laughs> John, does your interest level, has it diminished a little bit after this 0-3 start? No, I think, I know this will be opposite of most people, but it's really gotten more interesting. Um, I think this is a good season to to get guys on tape and see what they're doing and see how they change, A, as the season goes, but B, uh, as the Frost tenure continues. So, um I don't think so. I maybe not. I'll maybe schedule some stuff after the game now that I maybe didn't do before. But in terms of watching the game, you know, getting feedback on it, rewatching the game, that that won't stop. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the next couple of weeks with personnel. I tell you what, with the eleven o'clock kickoffs, if you're gonna suck, you might as well play that at eleven. So I got the rest of my Saturday. I mean, it's it's kind of nice that way. Uh, well, 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 you're still gonna drink and not be able to do anything anyway. Uh, well, yeah, but <laughs> I could do it on my terms. <laughs> All right, let's move on to this Purdue preview. John, tell us about this Purdue team here. Uh, I actually know nothing. I was hoping Derek would go first and I could piggyback off his knowledge <laughs> and wisdom. All right, Derek, no, I'm kidding. On you. <laughs> uh, uh, I think they've got a lot of weapons. I think, I think they're kind of similar to Nebraska and they're a younger team. 
um, starting to really establish themselves. So we'll see what Blau does this, this year. We've seen him for, geez, what, three years so far. Um, he's had a heck of a start offensively passing the ball. Um, and uh, Moore is just an electric kid. So it'll be interesting to see what Nebraska does defensively to shut them down and uh, if the offense can get anything going to, uh, to resurrect the season. Tyler, does this Purdue team scare you at all? You know, th- that's a loaded question. I, th- I think Purdue going into the year, my, my thought was is they had a potential to be a surprise team. I-, I liked what they were bringing back. You know, through three games, I would have been like, guys, th- they- this is a very easy win. They beat Boston College last week, and Boston College is a pretty good team. Um, I still think Nebraska has the talent it has the coaching advantage. We should be able to win, but you have one team swimming in the same direction. For us, you know, I don't know if we are all still swimming in that direction. Derek, you were kind of shaking your head there about Boston College. Because Boston up? College is not necessarily a great team. Look, I know everyone wants to think that Boston College is this great team. You want to know who they've beat? They have beat uh, UMass. Holy Cross and a decent Wake Forest team. Like let's not let's not put Boston College on this uh, pedestal that makes them a great team. That that win was not. I mean, it was impressive. I thought I thought Purdue looked really well. Four of their six interceptions on the season have come against came against uh, Boston College. I think a lot of that came in hurry up time when Boston College was behind. They were trying to catch up. Uh, so I'm not buying into this. Boston College was a great team, and Purdue beat them. Uh, Rondell Moore is their main guy. Like, say what you want. He's a he's an awesome he's an awesome player, and I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's their leading rusher with 372 yards and four touchdowns. He's also their number three rusher on the team, but he's only got six carries for 132 yards, averaging 22 yards a carry. Like, he's a prolific great player and I and I'm, so I don't want to take anything away from that guy but John you talk about how much other talent they have on this team I think between him and David Blau that's most of their talent so if you got to double cover this guy and you got to shut that guy down you shut that guy down their next wide receiver has 12 receptions and they're as you had all their uh their receiving touchdowns they have eight receiving touchdowns so he so so this uh Moore has half their touchdowns has almost half their yards. I mean, this guy. This guy is the. He's, he's their go-to guy. He is their Shaquan Barkley. Okay. Yeah. So that, so, that. so so let's not let's not make Purdue out to be better than they are. I'm not saying they're a bad team. Do they scare me? Not as much as Nebraska scares me for shooting themselves in the foot. Nebraska losing the game scares me more than Purdue beating us. Right now, and and, and I think that's been proven true. Uh, Purdue ha- really hasn't played anybody good yet. Like you want to talk about Northwestern, they're one and two. They've lost to uh, Eastern Michigan, who's two and two. Who's I mean, not a good team. And then and then they beat uh, Boston College. But at, at the end of the day, they really haven't played anybody that great. Now, I mean, you look at Nebraska, and I mean, I'm not going to try, try and pump up uh, Colorado or Troy. Colorado is three and zero, oh, and Troy is two uh, three and one, and Michigan's three and one, who lost to a pretty good Notre Dame team. And, and and I'm not even going to talk about the Michigan game because we all know how that went. But we've played better teams than they have, and we and we've lost them. And they're one and three. We're zero oh and three. I 
Purdue doesn't scare – like, again, Purdue doesn't scare me as much as Nebraska scares me for shooting ourselves in the foot. Can we stop the penalties? Can we stop the turnovers? Uh, that's what it's going to come down to, guys. And in special teams, can we stop some of these stupid special teams mishaps? The the muff punt, the stu- the running into a friggin' punt returner, giving them a, another huge gain, and just the stupid stuff. Can we stop that? If we can stop that, we can beat Purdue. It's a very winnable game for Nebraska, I think, as long as we can stop the stupid shit. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with what you just said there. Uh, Derek, I just want to add a little bit more to Rondale Moore, the leading receiver. You know, he was a four-star kid coming out of high school. That dude had offers from Alabama, Texas, Georgia, Penn State, 30 offers, and he stayed home to go to Purdue. So that dude, he was awesome. Uh, That first game against Northwestern, I remember watching that game, and that guy was just absolutely on fire. He set the Purdue school record for all-purpose yards in his very first game in uniform at Purdue. That guy is super electric. He does it all. Uh, you know, the run, he doesn't have a lot of rushing attempts, but with what they what they put him, they put him in scenarios where he is going to succeed and he's just going to light the world. So uh, I really worry about that matchup with Rondale Moore and whoever is uh, – in our secondary, that's matched up with them. I hope we double, triple team him, whatever. Make somebody else beat you. Don't let that dude do it. Uh, I thought it was interesting today that Travis Fisher, uh, he, he stated that he thought that David Blau was going to be the best quarterback that Nebraska has faced up to this date. And we've, we've faced some decent quarterbacks, I think. And so I don't know if that's just – but if Travis Fisher is just – if that's coach speak there, but he said it would be the best quarterback that we face. Now, David Blau, he's, he's had a good two-game stretch where he's playing lights-out football. Uh, so that kind of worries me uh, just the way I'm not, co- I'm not completely sold on our secondary. I don't know why we would after this Michigan game, but uh, Derek, go ahead. Uh, well, you take you talk about David Blau. He is a good quarterback. Like He's passing for 71.5% of his passes. 990 yards, six touchdowns to one interception. I mean, the the bad quarterback is, is uh, Elijah Sindelar, who's passing 59% of his of his uh, completion percentage and 283 yards with two touchdowns and three interceptions. So 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 David Blau is a very good quarterback. It, I, whether he's better than Shea Patterson or uh, Colorado Dumbutt, I, I don't I don't know yet. But Montez, Stephen Montez. There you go. Uh, at the end of the day, don't discount David Blau. He is a good quarterback. I do believe he is a good quarterback. But, again, I don't know that he's faced the stiffest competition yet either. Tyler was shaking his head in disapproval based off what Travis Fisher said. Tyler, do you have thoughts on that? I was shaking my head in agreement. I think it's oh, okay. obvious David Blau is the best quarterback we've pay, played. Um, yeah, I think, you know, David Blau, I, I put in the – category of being in the top three quarterbacks in the big 10 i think he is a real playmaker i think when you look at this game coming saturday that i think they are going to have success moving the ball in the air um i'm not convinced their secondary is quite there yet our pass rush is great we know that they could put up some plays but i i, I think carlos davis entering the nose guard where he lacks maybe in some run protection he's going to give us more pass rush i, I like what we're going to 
from a matchup standpoint, going to be able to offer there. Uh, but they're going to move the ball in the air. Where I think Nebraska maybe gets an edge back is what we're going to be able to do is stopping them against the run. Um, DJ Knox is their starting running back. That, that kid right this year has over 300 yards rushing. But when you break that down a little bit, he had 152 yards against Eastern Michigan. You take that out. He he is his best game after that is 77 yards. Um, I mean, the, the kid has averaged for about 50 yards a game. Besides that, I, I think Nebraska can kind of get back to where they were in the first two games and really stop the run. The question for the Huskers is, are we going to be able to score enough points to keep up with David Blau in the passing attack of Purdue? John? I'm going to say this. He is not the best quarterback we've faced, mainly because Shea Patterson only played what a quarter and a half for Michigan? That's my only joke. That's all I got. <laughs> all right, uh, John. Where, where do you think? What do you think that Nebraska does well that they can actually make this a game with Purdue? <clears throat> uh, I think defensively. Sorry, just had to think. Uh, defensively, <laughs> I think the, the Huskers stack up well with just about anyone who's not at you know the very tip top of college football. I think. Um, they can create pressure. They can. They they're much improved. Specifically, DiCaprio, Boodle, and the safeties are much improved in the coverage in the secondary. Um, I I don't really know if Lamar Jackson is much improved. I think he's done a better job. Um, but teams just don't seem to be throwing at him near as much this year. And you know, he's he's. I know he's given up one big touchdown against Colorado, but that to me was more of a you know roll the guy to sleep and then hit him once. So. Um, Offensively, I think Nebraska needs to figure out how to pass the ball over the middle. If teams are going to continue to load the box on the Huskers, um, this whole dink and dunk screen passing game and, and sticking to the outside, they're really limiting their their offense to what it can do. So um, I think they need to get those tight ends and slot guys active um, and maybe even cut out some of the motion that they're running um, and just say, hey, you know what? We're going to run these plays. We're going to run them right at you. There's no fancy stuff about it. You know, you got to beat us the normal way. So that that would be my take on on their approach. Derek? Well, I, I think uh, offensively, I think you're right. We have to do better, and I and we have to execute better. And I, and I hate that word because that was the old Bo Pelini adage of uh, – we need to execute, guys. We got to execute. But 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 I think it's I think it's true in the, in this situation because Purdue's defense is pretty bad. They're giving up four hundred and thirteen and a half yards a game. And I told you earlier, they're not playing tough competition yet. Like Northwestern's offense is not stellar, and uh, Eastern Michigan is what it is. Boston College is probably the best offense that they've seen, and they and they did well against them, but. Again, are they going to come in against Boston College? The Boston College defense going to come in, or is the Northwestern team going to come in? I mean, I, Nebraska just needs to execute, and if we can, if we can do that, and we can stop again, we can stop the stupid mistakes and not letting the ball get tipped at the line of scrimmage, or not get a stupid holding penalty on a touchdown, or just just the stupid simple mistakes that need to be fixed. Then we should be able to move the ball against these guys. Like everybody else has moved the ball well. D- Derek, you keep talking about the competition that Purdue is facing. I- I'm not going to say they're world beaters and all this, but let's be real. You take Michigan out, Nebraska hasn't faced competition. I would argue that Eastern Michigan, Missouri, Northwestern, 
and uh, uh, Boston College would all beat Troy with hands down, and maybe with the exception of Eastern Michigan, they'd all beat Colorado. Like, like let's let's not say that we've had this. Oh my God, murderers row, and <laughs> Purdue's had bye weeks because that's not the season we've had. But just just look at the winning records, though. Like I, again, I I I forgot to write down what what Missouri's record is. What's their record right now? I think they're two and two, right? Yeah, they lost two games. They lost against Georgia last week. Okay, so, so Derek, Derek, I, I, Derek, I put, I tell you, you have to bet a thousand dollars right now. Missouri versus Troy. Who are you taking? Well, probably Missouri, but I'm not. But I'm not taking. I'm not going to take Eastern Michigan over Troy. Which you, which you just got done saying. Apparently, you would. I, I, I think that's a coin flip game. You know, we're going to do our games of the week, and if we were to pick a game like that, we would all lose anyway. I mean, because we <laughs> suck at picking games. So uh, it, that part doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I get your point, Tyler. Yeah, you know, I mean, we haven't played anybody big. I mean, we don't have a murderous row schedule. Derek, I, I get what you're saying also. I, I mean, we, we don't know, though. We don't know what Colorado is yet because Colorado really has played a weak wait. schedule so far. But they're 3-0 and right now, so let's not, let's not discount Colorado. Maybe they are good. Uh, Michigan's a great team, and no, the only team I'll agree with you on is Troy. It was probably not a very good game, and we were also not didn't have our starting quarterback in, and our everything defensively we looked good in that game. Offensively, we looked like garbage. Right. John, you had something to say? No, I was just going to say that we actually do have a murderer's row schedule this year. Coming um, up, coming up, coming up. But yeah, I yeah. mean, not in the not not what we've played though. I think there's a little bit, and I'm going to call it a hangover, as to where Nebraska used to be versus where Nebraska is at today and how we view teams such as Purdue, Notre Dame, et cetera, and, and where we rank with them. I think the fact is, and this is a little bit of Tyler's point and a little bit of Derek's point, is that Nebraska's back to being on par with those teams. Um, we haven't played great competition. We've found ways to lose. We played some great competition, and we got our butts whooped. So, um these are the games where if you want to go out, you want to get your buy-in, you want to work on things uh, or simplify things and do them right. These are the games, these Purdue type of games that you need to go out and you need to get your wins on. So hopefully they can do that. Um, as Derek said, we've been shooting ourselves in the foot. So uh, if they can, you know, limit those mistakes, et cetera, this could be a different outcome on the season so far. They could be two and one. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully they can get their first win this weekend and uh, do it while Tyler's checking the game out. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the games of the week. John, we're about to make you look like a genius here because the guests have been kicking our butt. Uh, Tyler, give us a, a status. Well, I, I will say, Justin, you're right. The the guests have been uh, dominating us. But last week, all four of us, the guests included, went four and two. Wow. So uh, it was uh, definitely a lot more competitive. But however, for this season, uh, this has not been pretty for us. We have been getting dominated. Justin, me and you have been our nine and 14. Derek, you are back to the winning record at 12 and 11. And uh, the guests are 14 and nine. So wow. the guests have been running away with it. Uh, hopefully uh, you choke this away, John. Yeah. <laughs> I have, right. faith, I have faith John will. <laughs> All right. Let's get it on. First game goes to you, Tyler. 
Number 12, West Virginia, three-and-a-half-point favorites over Texas Tech. You know, I, I am not convinced by West Virginia yet. I mean, their victories against Tennessee, who is a really bad team in the SEC, Youngstown State, which is a terribly coached team. Screw you, Bo Pelini. Uh, and uh, K-State is not that impressive to me. Um You'd throw out the Ole Miss. Texas Tech has played pretty good ball. Um, they've scored over 180 points in those other three games. I think Texas Tech has a little bit more firepower at home and beats West Virginia. Whoa. Derek. Oh, I couldn't disagree with you more. Texas Tech has a good offense, as they always do. But, again, they still they give up a bajillion yards on defense every friggin' game. Uh, West Virginia has a very good offense that's going to just torch this 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 Texas Tech defense. It'll probably be a, it's going to be a high scoring game because Texas Tech's going to get theirs too. But West Virginia, I think I think they're the better team. They have the better quarterback. I think they have the better offense and a slightly better and quite actually quite a bit better defense than Texas Tech. So West Virginia will come up with a few more stops than Texas Tech will. And he's not just saying that because he picked West Virginia to win the Big Twelve, uh, John. So I'm going to go with uh, West Virginia for, for no other fact than uh, my buddy likes them. So I, I think West Virginia is a good team, and I think they'll take care of business against Texas Tech. I got West Virginia also. Uh, I don't have a reason. No, I, I do. I think Will Greer is just a tremendous quarterback. I just think I, I really like West Virginia in this scenario here. Derek, number 20, BYU at number 11, Washington. Washington is 17-point favorites in this game. Wow. Okay. I'm picking this strictly probably on Mr. Kurt, if you're listening. I'm picking them for you. But go Washington. Uh, They're 92.5% on the FPI to win this game. I think they win the game. Whether they cover or not, I don't know, but they will win the game. John? Do you have to pick straight out, or can I pick with the points? You can do whatever. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Hey, you, you need to pick straight out. Straight out. Uh, straight out, you know, I'm going to go with BYU. I think they're the better team here. Uh, Washington struggled with Arizona State and struggled with uh, with Utah as well. So I think BYU, with their uh, with their season so far, um, I think you got to go with BYU football um, just because of their body of work. Um, you know, they went in, they beat Wisconsin, which is a huge win. Um, they, they beat Arizona, which isn't a great team, uh, and lost to uh, a, a kind of a pass-happy cow. So I, I think the win against Wisconsin gives them what they need to upset Washington as well. Bold pick. Tyler? Wisconsin's 17th in the country in defense. In my opinion, they have probably a top-five defense in the country, uh, definitely uh, up there. I, I like Washington. I think they're a really good team. Um, at home, that good a defense, I just think they're going to end up winning this game. I have Washington as well. Not because oh. of Kurt, but I just like I like Washington. Oh, no, you know what's going to happen. BYU, oh, BYU. yeah, yeah. John, you just got that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, it's back to you here. Number 19, Oregon, three-point favorites over number 24, California. Uh, I hate Oregon, so I'm going to go strictly with Cal. Um, no offense, Oregon. Actually, Oregon's not a bad team, so they'll probably win. So Oregon's my official pick. Tyler. I have to change what I wrote down there. Uh, thanks a lot, John. Uh, 
No, I, Justin Herbert uh, had a great game last week, even in defeat. Uh, you know, he is seventh in the country in yards per completion and 11th overall in passing yards. That kid is a great quarterback. I think he has the skill set to go on the road in Cal. I'm not buying into Cal either. I think Oregon wins comfortably. I'm just going to say this. I watched the Stanford game, and I forget what the call was that was, like, overturned. I think they they ruled a, an Oregon guy out, and then they fumbled on the next play. That was BS. Oregon fans, if you listen to this, record this audio clip and play it back because that was BS. That dude was inbounds and he scored that touchdown on that play. And the fact that you got robbed is a crying shame. He shouldn't have fumbled at the end of the game before going for the first down. Lay down and die. (laughs) Oregon deserves to lose. (laughs) I I tend to agree, John. It was, it was a terrible call. That was an absolute atrocious call. Uh, I, I'm not buying into Cal, and you talk about hating Oregon. I hate the whole state of California, so <laughs> I got I got to go with Oregon on this one. Uh, J- Tyler, have you, you, said, have you, you, you even said been it. to California? I don't need to be there. There's a bunch of hippies there. I don't care. Uh, Just Justin Herbert's a great quarterback, and I think this kid, uh, he just makes things happen. I mean. The kid, he only had like one incompletion through three quarters of that first of that game against Stanford, and Stanford is a way better defense than Cal. He's going to tear these guys up. Give me Oregon. I think uh, the way that they choked that game away last week, uh, they're going to be pissed off, and California, they are going to suffer big time. All right, Tyler, we're going to keep it in the Pac-12 here. Number seven, Stanford at number eight, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is five and a half point favorites. I didn't know Notre Dame was in the Pac-12. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> I, th- this, in my me. opinion, is going to be the best game of the weekend. I th- I honestly went back and forth on this game. I think these are two fairly evenly matched teams. But when you look at the fact that uh, Notre Dame, what they did against Michigan, and I get their quarterback is banged up, but they also are getting back Dexter Williams. Uh, who was supposed to be their starting running back coming in the year. I, I just think at the end of the day, at home, they are just a little bit better uh, and good enough to beat Notre Dame. Derek? Oh, man. I, I tell you, I think uh, Notre Dame at home is the better team. I, I truly believe that. and I, th- I don't think Stanford can go on the road two weeks in a row and pull off what they did last week. I think Stanford comes in a little hungover, a little sore, a little beat up from the from the Oregon game, and I think Notre Dame pulls out the win. John, uh, you know, I think uh, I think Stanford's win last week was a fluke. Already hit on that a little bit, um, and I think Notre Dame's the real deal this season. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I think they deserve to be the five and a half point favorite. Give me Notre Dame as well. All right, Tyler, you were well, wrong. On, that hold was. Hold on. I was all encouraged when John picked Notre Dame, but then you picked Notre Dame, so now I'm torn. He's just he's just following me, Derek. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tyler, you were wrong. That's Stanford Notre Dame. That's not the game of the week. This is the game of the week. Number eight, four point favorites at number nine Penn State. Derek. Oh, I don't know. I I, I gotta tell you guys, I, I texted you guys earlier this week about uh Nick Bosa getting hurt, and he's out till at least November, it sounds like, at this point. Uh, Penn State has scored over 50 points in the last three games, 63 in the last two. 
I, I think I think Ohio State misses Nick Bosa more than you guys think they do, and I think Penn State at home pulls pulls out the win. Penn State, yeah, nice, John. Man, Penn State struggled with Appalachian State to start this season. Went into overtime against them and won it by a touchdown, forty-five to thirty-eight. But they have a terrific body of work after that. Only only allowed six points against Pittsburgh, put up fifty-one. Allowed 10 points against someone called Kent State, uh, but put up 63, uh, and then beat Illinois last week, 24 to 63. So I think this Penn State team is humming on all cylinders. I think Ohio State is going to get a boost with Urban Meyer coming back in full force, finally really kind of like having his feet back under him now that the season is going. I, I mean, this is the game of the week. There's no doubt in my mind about it. It has Big Ten title implications written all over it as well. I'm going to go with Urban Meyer. I think he can cover up the deficiencies. I really like what uh, what Coach Harline has done for them as well um, in the little time that he's been there this season too. So give me Ohio State. I hate to root for him, but sorry, Penn State. I think this is uh, I think this is where your schedule gets tough. Tyler. You know, going into the year, I had Penn State win the Big Ten East, and I got kind of beat up on the podcast a little bit. Like, why Penn State? And I think you guys can kind of see why, because I think they're a really good team. But what I did not count on is how good Ohio State was going to be. You know, they're 25th in total defense, third in total offense at 12th in the country in turnover margin. They are a really good team. Penn State's a good team, too. Don't get me wrong. But when I watch both those two games, Ohio State clearly looks like a little bit better team to me. I think they have what it takes to go on the road and upset them in Happy Valley. Wow. Uh, I just want to throw this out there. The over-under on this game is 71 points. I think there's going to be a ton of points scored in this game. Uh, Hammer that over. This is going to be an exciting game, and I'm just saying this to the cousins here for uh, let it ride here. But uh, I, I like Ohio State in this game. Uh, when in, it, it's going to be such a fun game, I cannot wait to see this. I, I like uh, the let it ride part. I like. I think yeah, go for it. Let's keep the over <laughs> on that because there might be there, there's probably at least a hundred points scored in this game. Uh, I see. I don't know. They they have two good defenses. This could be like a. 42 to 28 game. Don't, don't jinx the game by doing this. <laughs> hey, uh, all right. So let's go to the Husker Nation game of the week, and that's going to be the one and three Purdue Boilermakers, three-and-a-half-point favorites over our beloved 0-3 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Derek, give us all your right. score prediction. All right. Uh Everybody hammered on Barrett Pickering this this week, or not this week, but through, throughout this season. The kid's actually three for five, and he misses first two field goals, so he's made the last three. Uh, I think Nebraska. I, I think they finally pull their heads out of their asses and find a way to win this game. And I, 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 I I'm going to give it to Barrett Pickering. I think we win by a field goal. I'm going to go twenty four twenty one Huskers. Nice, John. Man, what a tough call. And I, of course, have to go before Justin goes. So I know he's going to rip me off somehow. Um, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. Guys, don't don't shoot me for this, but I think this is a Purdue's game to lose. So 
I'm going to go with Purdue and an 0-4 start for the Oscars. Score prediction says? <laughs> I'm going to go with 31 Purdue, 27 Nebraska. I hate you. <laughs> Come back, host. You should have gone first. <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> um, guys, I, I believe in football. A lot of times it comes down to who wants it more. And, and Nebraska has to win this game. I think you, you wake up in the morning and you can't go 0-4. I think Nebraska has a sense of urgency that they need to win this game. Um, I ultimately think we win it 33-28. to 33? Where, where do you come up with these odd-ass numbers when you do these score predictions? You, these are weird. Okay, so, so I comes up in college football all the time. What are you that, talking about? Justin, there, is a, there is a statistic. Whenever a team scores in the 30, 85% of the time is 33 points. What? Hashtag well, fake stacks. You, actually, where, where do you go <laughs> with that stat? I'd really love to see that stat. Okay, that may be fake news, but it, it could have been true. No one knows that. All right. That so was a, was, that was was a Barney Stinson off. stat right there. Like, <laughs> All right, so I agree with John, uh, obviously, not because I had the same score prediction as him, but I, I just think that this is going to be another game where I think Nebraska is, they're not going to figure out the turnover battle. I think they're going to lose the turnover battle yet again. The problems that we see on special teams, we're not going to get those cleaned up overnight. I just think it's going to be close. I'm going to change my score prediction from uh, to 31 to 24. Uh, I'm just going to say, Barrett Pickering does not get two field goals in this one. He just gets one now because John jinxed the Huskers. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Purdue wins 31-24. Well, before you bring it, before you get this off, you talk about the the turnovers, like Purdue is so great at turnovers. I mean, they're, they're minus .5 and 95th in the country, too. Like, they're pretty bad no, as I, turnover I differential, too. I get it. I mean, I, Michigan was really bad at running the football, but that didn't stop them from being good against Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fair. yeah, Michigan was supposed to have a terrible offensive line. They look pretty goddamn good to me, right? Fair. I, 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 gotta I, find I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think Purdue's Michigan, though. So Hang on. I got to find my show notes since I launched them across here, so hang on. Do you think that, right. do you think we have something more to talk about now? No, it's uh, it's it's yeah. He's, he's, it's got, he's got to read his closing statements. That too. Oh, uh, but we got to do the let it ride segment. The let it ride segment. Uh, this is the segment where we are going to bet a game against the spread, and we take the winnings, and then we roll it over week after week after week. The problem is, is we're zero and four. Uh, our plan was that we're going to give half the winnings to a charity. Yet to be named, but this charity owes us right now. But we're, we're not going to quit. You know, we're not going to quit on the Huskers, and we're not going to quit on the Let It Ride segment. So, Hey, let me, let me just jump in right here. So on behalf of Husker Hype, I didn't plan to do this, but I thought you guys would be better than sucking at betting. Um, <laughs> Husker Hype will throw in $50 to whatever charity you want. So um, regardless of how much you suck, someone will get $50. Outstanding. Hey, we need to I, I still I still vote for teammates from Tom Osborne. Okay. Well, let's let's win some games. Justin, which game are we going with this week? All right, so I just talked about the 71 points, the over, 
in uh, the Ohio State-Penn State game. Derek got a big old thumbs up. Tyler, not so much. So we're going to go back down to the original choice. And that's going to be Boise State, 17-point favorites over Wyoming. So we're taking Boise State in this affair. And if we lose, that's going to make three times that Tyler Schaefer has led us to demise. It's always fun to so, blame Tyler. So I don't think that's accurate, but that's that's fine. What, no, but what, what did you guys say? do? Did you pick Old Dominion like in a loss last week and get upset? Like God, we, we we took Georgia. We took Georgia last week. Uh, Fifteen point favorites over Missouri. They won by fourteen. The, I mean, the week, but the week before we had Southern Florida against Illinois, and I think I, I can't remember what we got that at, but it was like a one point loss. We've had some pretty bad breaks on this. But Boise State is a sure bet this weekend. I don't trust Wyoming at all. I know they're at home, but Wyoming is not a good football team. I think Boise State has rebounded a little bit, and they are playing some good football. I like them on the road to win that game big. Man, this just that you just made that sound like the Vikings were going to trump the Bills by 17 and a half points last weekend. <laughs> so... Do I get to pick my own pick in this game, or what? What do I do? Well, it's it's a collaborative effort here. That's the, that's what's really hard about this segment here, the Let It Ride segment. All three of us have to agree on a game, and you know, John, how hard it is for us cousins to agree on anything. I mean, so that we, that adds we can't agree on the sky here. color. I mean, it's it's yeah. All right, so so Derek admitted that Missouri is a crappy team earlier. Or at least profess that they're a crappy team, and they beat Wyoming forty to thirteen two weeks ago, and then Wyoming struggled against Mighty Wofford and won seventeen to fourteen. So I think your guys' pick is pretty safe this week. But shout out to whatever charity gets our money because uh, they'll at least get fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Bare minimum. Thanks, John. All right, guys, let's let's time to move on. Let's get to last call. Uh, this is the segment where no no topics are off limits. Last call to you, Derek. Oh wow, you changed it up. I usually usually Tyler goes first. Uh, so uh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll do my I'll do my last call though. That's fine. Uh, I, I, this is a little more of a sad story where uh, Jeremy Larkin from Northwestern, running back, uh, has to retire from football from cervical stenosis. I don't know if I'm saying that quite right. But it's it's the narrowing spinal uh, canal in in the neck, and, and the poor guy. I feel bad for him because he he had something going. I he is their leading rusher. He's Northwestern's leading rusher. And, and but when I say leading rusher, I mean he has got seventy two attempts, three hundred forty six yards, one hundred fifteen yards per game with five touchdowns. The next guy up has twelve carries for twenty one yards. I mean. He was their go-to guy. He was Justin Jackson's replacement, and and he was doing a good job of it. And and, and poor guy. Now you get this medical condition come up, and he's got to retire. And I, I feel I actually feel bad for for Northwestern and this kid all all at the same time. Absolutely, Tyler. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on the – well, not tend. I completely feel agree with you. This terrible for the kid. I mean, he, he wanted to play football. You know, the best thing I will say is – you know, with this disease, um, you know, the, the, they diagnosed it before potentially it could have got worse with him playing. Um, I was high on Northwestern this year going into. I um, I am hopeful, or not really hopeful, I, I, I am interested 
in to see how they perform against Michigan because um, I thought they were going to be a good team, and we'll see if that takes them back to reality. Maybe that's another game where Nebraska might have a shot on the road. But, um, you know, I, I'm glad that he hopefully will have a safe life and move forward. Completely agree. Tyler, last call to you. Um, my last call is on Oklahoma State wide receiver Jalen McCleskey. Uh, here's a kid who has accumulated over 1,300 yards receiving for Oklahoma State, um, who has been a productive player of this team, who decided his senior year he is going to redshirt. Um, he is going to redshirt and I presumptively go to another team at the end of the year. I don't know what he's going to do, but uh, I, this is this is a domino, and this could be a very interesting future for college football. John, thoughts on that? I can go. I don't have any thoughts on that. I just have my uh, my pick. So, <laughs> all right, Derek. This is becoming a very slippery slope. Like I, I the transfer rules are getting so confusing anymore. Uh, this this kid's red shirting this year. Uh, you got UCLA quarterback Devin Modster who's transferring after not be not being able to play it there and. Yeah, I don't know. He's still got a year of eligibility for a, year, a redshirt year to face, and I, 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 the whole thing is just becoming a slippery slope, and it's turned into what Scott Frost did not want. And I, I hate seeing all these transfers. I'm getting tired of it with right before the season starts or after the season starts. Like, let's stop. Let's put a let's nip this in the bud now and stop it right, right away. Well. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's getting crazy out there, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Nebraska's going to play their fourth game here this weekend. Let's see. Let's hope that none of these transfer rules affect Nebraska here. I, I don't mean to jinx us here, but, you know, four games now. Uh, last call to you, John. You know what? College football is great. All these stories make my heart melt and feel all warm and fuzzy. Not being sarcastic, but this is my favorite time of the week. I can talk about anything I want to talk about. And gosh darn it, I want to talk about Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. 80th career win for Tiger Woods, five years in the making. He's been coming back all season. I, I know it's at you know a tournament that doesn't mean diddly squat other than some FedEx Cup winnings, but gosh diddly darn it, as Ned Planters would say, it's good to see Tiger back and all the people following him. So congrats to Tiger Woods. Shout out. I'm going out on a positive note. Tiger Woods, you're my you're my call of the week, bud. Derek? <laughs> Gotta love good Simpsons ref- uh, reference. Uh, you look, Tiger had – it wasn't that Tiger won this tournament. It was how Tiger won this tournament. Uh, I believe Saturday he had, they, they, in the front nine he had six birdies on seven holes. Like – this is Tiger Woods back to what Tiger Woods used to be. And I and I hope it can continue because golf is just so much more fun when Tiger's good. Yeah. Yeah, you are right. It is a lot more fun. Um you know, you did mention how he played, but he did bogey fifteen or sixteen, and I will say I, I was sitting there and I'm like, Oh my god, he's gonna blow this one. He's gonna blow it again, just like he did during the open. But fortunately, he made the par on 17. Uh, it's great to see him back. And I, I will say I regret it because I turned the channel right before he hit 18. So, gosh, I can't believe I missed the end of that tournament. 
Yeah, that that was awesome. I I loved watching him, you know, walking up there uh, to the 18th grade and that whole mob just following, just trying to run him over. And I mean, that was just an intense scene. You know, first win since 2013, which is ironically the last year that Nebraska actually won a football game. So, I mean, big, big, great, great day for Tiger Woods. Uh, So last call to me. Uh, I was actually going to do Tiger Woods, so I'm kind of lost right here. So, uh, so I'm going to go to, hey, how about Nebraska ball? Nebraska ball is about to start some practice. Uh, we'll get some. We'll get uh, Carter Donahue on on the podcast here in a couple of weeks to talk some Nebraska ball because you know maybe here in two or three weeks we'll only be living for Nebraska ball. So uh, let, let's see how that goes, but it's, it's going to be fun, Derek. There's a lot of expectations on this team. You know, they they won a lot of games last year. They didn't win the games that maybe they needed to to get in the tournament, but that that retarded system that they had going on is now off the way shore. And uh, let's hope we can win as many games as we did last year and make the tournament, and I think we can make a splash in the tournament. I think we got good talent on this team. You can't say the R word on radio. (laughs) Tyler. Take the words right out of my mouth, Justin. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm psyched. I mean, every time I have expectations for Nebraska, well, we usually suck. So I'm trying to temper mine, but uh, it's going to be hard because that's my that's my hope. That in volleyball right now, John, bring it home. Nebraska balls had two big commits over the last couple of days. Really, over the last weekend, Mike Adams Woods from New Hampton School committed to nebraska he's a he's a guard a high three-star ranking and gervais green from western nebraska community college all the way out in scott's bluff out in the western part of the state committed as well go out if you haven't done it already watch their tape the team should be good this year and these guys certainly provide a boost uh for next year as well so it's an exciting time to be around husker basketball and i hope you guys have fun when uh, carter pops on the show Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, John, for stopping by and throwing some knowledge on us. It's been fun. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and HuskerHype.com. All feedback is welcome. Let us know how you like the show. Help us out and share this episode. Get the show out there. On behalf of Derek and Tyler and John, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. This program uh, is built to accomplish a lot, and I'm looking forward to helping it get back there. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for that. <laughs>